Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the show. Today I am joined once again by Minute Rice. Why don't you say hi? Hello. And today we're going to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog. The 2006 version, or so I hear. Yeah, I talked about that all the way back in episode 8, but that was back when I still didn't really know how to talk on a podcast, and when I had that inexplicable bad audio that plagued the first few episodes. So, this time we're going to do it right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and PT invited me on because I'm one of the poor unfortunate idiots who's played Sonic 06 all the way through. It's it's kind of like a rite of passage for a lot of people, especially Sonic fans, to throw themselves into that game. It's bad. It's as bad as you've heard. It's kind of interesting. I watched a Let's Play of the game. It's definitely bad, but it's a little more bearable if you at least know what you're in for, is what I gathered. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I played it, I was very young, I think it was like 12 or 13 at the time. And I just pushed through it because I didn't know any better. I didn't realize that the problems I was running into made it a bad game. I thought it was just hard and that I had to get better at it. You had to get good. I mean, I did eventually get through it and figure out how not to break it. And then I tried playing it several times afterwards. I just couldn't get very far. And then I discovered that YouTube was a thing. And the analysis really helped open my eyes because I was finally able to contextualize my experience with it. It's always kind of a weird moment when you first discover that media can be bad. Yeah, particularly video games. Yeah, there's that whole thing about kids being willing to play bad video games because they don't have any context, and they'll just play it because it's all they have. And then they get nostalgic for it. I am not nostalgic for Sonic 06. I now recognize that my experience was horrible because the game was shoddily put together. And the story, man, that weirded me out even as a kid. Like, I wasn't sure what to think of it, and it did make me uncomfortable. But it wasn't until I was older that I was able to exactly tell you why, even if that seems obvious in retrospect. It's kind of interesting because I actually cited this article back in the original episode, but I dug it up again for the sake of this discussion, is on, uh, there's a blog, I don't actually know what website it is, I just googled the article itself, but Andrea Ritsu wrote an article that kind of details the history of the game's development and why the game is such a mess that it is. Oh yeah, I've... I've looked into that story as well. Well, not that particular article, but the general sense of how Sega just completely mismanaged the project from basically start to finish and decided to kick the game out the door and just hope everyone would forget about it. Yeah, if you don't mind a brief summary of it. Please, go ahead. A very paraphrasing here is... Well, I think they were trying to get the game onto all the systems... They they started on, like, the PS3 version, but then they tried to get it to work for the Xbox 360 version, but that proved to be a little harder than they anticipated, so they split the team to focus one, one team on one version, one on the other, and then they thought, well, hey, what about the Wii? So 
one of the directors took a chunk of the development staff to work on the Wii version, but then they realized they couldn't get it to work on the Wii, so they made Sonic and the Secret Rings instead, you know, without putting the team back where they belong first. They decided to just make a whole new game anyway. (laughs) Then, at one point, one of the directors or something just left Sega to kind of start their own company and took a bunch of the workers with them. So now you've got all the B-team people split into, like, half, and they also had to get it out by Christmas for various reasons. And uh, here we are. Yeah, just a few points to add to that. I hadn't heard about the whole split between the Xbox 360 and PS3 versions. By my understanding, the game was uh, built for the Xbox 360 over the PS3. And the Xbox 360 version actually did release first, so that kind of corroborates there. The director who left was producer Yuji Naka. And he was one of the programmers on the original Sonic game and was actually the last member of the original Sonic team to uh, leave Sega. So that was a huge blow. And Sega really, really should have delayed the game after he left. However, the split with Sonic and the Secret Rings was 100% accurate. They took half the team to go develop that game when they realized that the Wii was not going to be able to run what they had in mind for 06. I think that's the most egregious part of the story for me. Yeah, especially considering how bad Secret Rings turned out. Like, it's not Sonic 06, but it's darn close. Yeah, you want to listen to Seven Rings in Hand every five seconds? <laughs> yep. And that's not even taking into account how badly it controls. I actually like Seven Rings in Hand, though. <laughs> I mean, it is a good song, but when you hear it ten and a half billion times, it tends to start to grate. Speaking of music, that's probably the only thing that went right for Sonic 06. That's one thing you can always count on Sonic for is good music. Like, the series is just full of legendary soundtracks dating all the way back to its 16-bit days. Yeah, I think when I started analyzing Sonic 06 a few years ago, that's when it hit me that music is often developed independently from other parts of the game. Yeah, music in video games is a very weird thing. I'm no music expert, but from some of the research I've done, the difficult thing is that music is very tied into timing, which is why it's so closely tied to like movies and TV shows where you can like match music cues to events happening on screen. It's a lot harder to do that with video games because the player is in control of the pace of what happens. So the music kind of has to set a mood while still allowing flexibility. It's a very weird thing, but Sonic seems to get it right a lot. That's probably because of all the different scripted sequences they have. Yeah, that's part of it. But even then, a player could still stand in one place for five minutes if they wanted to, and the music wouldn't be allowed to match for those scripted sequences, so... Again, they have to set a more general tone. It's kind of interesting, on the Sonic 06 soundtrack, at least two of the level themes are split into four uh, movements, I think? I'm not really sure, but the theme music for Crisis City and Kingdom Valley are both split into four like songs within the greater song, and they all correlate Yeah, to... it kind of evolves as the stage uh, moves forward. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, while other, other levels in the game just get two different songs that play, okay, in the first half of the level and then the second half of the level. Yeah, but even so, that's uh, 
interesting level of evolution that Sonic is very good at, but a lot of other series don't really do. Like, again, going back to the classic series, they started doing stuff like that with Sonic 3, to my knowledge. Granted, I haven't played Sonic 3, but I've looked into it. Well, imagine if Michael Jackson did the music for this one. <laughs> it would sound very different, and I'm not sure if it would be better, because I actually really like Sonic 06's soundtrack a lot, especially its vocal tracks. Like, His World is a legitimately good song. I really like, uh, oh, what's the name of Silver's song? Uh, Dreams of an Absolution. Yes, that. And then All Hail Shadow <laughs> is gloriously cheesy. Yeah, the vocal Sonic songs are kind of a guilty pleasure of mine. I have no guilt in enjoying them. I recognize how edgy and cheesy Shadow's themes in particular are, and how cheesy the themes on the wider spectrum are, but... Man, they're good, especially the ones composed by Crush 40, which, sadly, they didn't do anything for Sonic 06. They did later do a version of His World, though. Oh, yeah, I actually, actually think I prefer their version of it to the original version. I like both for different moods. Speaking of Crush 40, man, they've, they've done some legendary songs for this series. They're an actual band outside of doing Sonic stuff, but I don't ever hear about them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they do make good music. I've listened to some of their songs outside of Sonic, but I think that Sonic is their best work. Particularly Live and Learn for Adventure 2. That song is legendary. It's phenomenal. It's... Any other word I can use to describe it would probably be inadequate. I think I'm more into Open Your Heart. That's fair. That's also really good. Of course, my love of Live and Learn does come partly from nostalgia, because Sonic Adventure 2 was something I played the heck out of as a kid, and I even enjoy it to this day. Like, I think that despite all the hate it seems to be getting recently, it's held up surprisingly well, especially compared to Adventure 1. That's interesting, because I hear that the Adventure games really didn't age that well. Eh, different people have different opinions on it. I think that if you're willing to accept some of the jank that comes from just how old they are, they're still very playable and have systems that are a lot of fun to use. Of course, a lot of it is... Even the Knuckles and Rouge sections? Yeah, actually. Once you, once you understand how those stages are laid out and understand how to use the hint system to your advantage, you can actually clear them out pretty quick. Of course, Mad Space is still a pain. Like, I will never defend that stage, but overall, I think that they're... A worthy addition to the game, and that Knuckles and Roos actually do control really well. I just wish their camera functioned a little better. I don't have much of a history with that era of Sonic, so the most I have is watching a Let's Play of Adventure 1, and I, I can admire how ambitious it was for the time. It was very ambitious for the time. Like, a game of that scale in the late 90s was insane. But... A lot of it hasn't aged well. There's a lot of jank, a lot of areas where the game can break, especially in the ports or so I hear. Like, from the research I've done, the Dreamcast version is actually more stable than the later versions, but that's neither here nor there because the later versions are what everyone plays. It also has uh, some things that didn't work very well at all. Like, Amy's stages are slow and boring. Uh, big stages, gross. Just disgusting. <laughs> At least he's over quickly, if you know what you're doing. 
I do like that they try to change up the gameplay for each one, so it's not like you're doing the same thing, but with this character. Now this character. Yeah, that's something that Sonic had always been working towards, and I felt like it was a natural evolution of the classics. Again, I haven't played the classics myself, but I know what they were doing. And when they started introducing multiple characters, it was they were going through the same stages, but their differences in gameplay allowed them to access different parts. And then Adventure came along and evolved that by further differentiating the gameplay while still building them on the same platforming baseline. And then what Adventure 2 did was it took the three styles that worked the best and refined them. Imagine if Big's style worked the best and they were just a good fisherman and an evil fisherman. <laughs> oh god, Sonic Adventure 2 would be a totally different game. Although I guess the developers did like Big, because he makes a lot of cameos in Adventure 2, especially if you're playing the Dreamcast version. I think they did it kind of as a joke to kind of get back at all the people who didn't like Big. That wouldn't surprise me. I don't know, I feel like Big... I feel like we're all kind of over it now. Now he's just a meme character. Pretty much, yeah. Although, I will say, I do miss multiple playable characters in Sonic. I mean, I haven't really played anything beyond the adventure games, but just knowing that I don't get that kind of gameplay variety if I ever do decide to pick up the boost games. Uh. I guess a lot of people kind of prefer the boost games, though, because ever since 06, they've been trying to cut down on the cast again. Well, yeah, 06 was just such a disaster that Sega decided they could never repeat anything that they did in it. And unfortunately, Sonic 06 is an adventure-style game. It's built on the same formula as those first two. I mean, they could have called it Adventure 3, and it would have, sickeningly, been appropriate. Yeah, I've noticed, even back then, ever since Sonic 06, each new Sonic game has been like, Okay, this one's gonna be good, guys, we swear. Starting with uh, Sonic Unleashed, I think, and the daytime stages in Sonic Unleashed were okay, and then from that moment on, every good Sonic game or every promise of a good Sonic game tries to remind potential buyers of the daytime Unleashed stages. Yeah, that's what I hear as well. I, I haven't actually played the Boost-style games myself, because I don't know why I haven't played them. I guess I just sort of fell out of Sonic after that era was over. Well, the adventure era, I mean. And then, yeah, I never touched them. I've been kept an eye on them, obviously. I know that uh, Colors was generally well-liked and that Generations was pretty loved. And then that after that, it hasn't really found its footing, aside from Mania, which was a throwback game. I've heard nothing but good things about Mania, but again, haven't played it. Let's see, yeah. Colors was actually when I jumped into the series, because I heard it was good. Like, I, I kind of touched the odd Sonic game here and there before then, but I consider Colors to be where I really started playing Sonic, and uh, I can vouch for that game and Generations being good. Then, Sonic Lost World was uh, a, a trial. It looked weird. I never played it. I don't know if... Uh, I, I, I don't know. It, the game had some things it was clearly trying to do, but I just, I didn't like it as much, and it, it really tested my patience by the end. Then we get to Sonic, uh, was the next one Sonic Forces? No, the next one's Sonic well, that's Boom. That's a spin-off. Yeah, but it made a splash when it came out. 
a lot of people at the time were calling it the Next 06, even though it wasn't. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was a really bad game, but it just didn't have the same destructive impact that 06 did. I think it's because it was a spinoff that people gave it a little more slack, and the fact that it yeah, got overshadowed by a cartoon with some pretty fun writing. Yeah, I need to watch that at some point. I've heard nothing but good things. I think I've heard someone say that the Sonic Boom video game is just a licensed video game for the cartoon, and that makes it kind of better <laughs> to think about like that. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, going back to the mainline series, the next one would be, well, technically Mania, but then Forces. Yeah, I didn't play Mania, but I did play Forces, and uh, I like it, but I didn't love it. That's kind of what I heard. I was, I was thinking about picking up Forces during its pre-release cycle, but... When it actually came out and the reviews were kind of all over the place, I've just decided to stay distanced. I don't think you're missing a whole lot, but if you have, like, an afternoon and 40 bucks, there you go. Yeah, that's fair. And I really do mean an afternoon. It's, like, the shortest of the main Sonics that I've played. Jesus. I actually stretched out my okay, playthrough over a couple days on purpose because I didn't want to go too fast. Oh, wow. That seems counterintuitive for a Sonic game. It's weird. In the game where you go fast, they actually made it so it's over too fast. Yeah, there's a sense of irony to that. I mean, at least they didn't charge full price for it, so... True. But yeah... Going back to the adventure era, I recently played Shadow the Hedgehog for the first time. Oh yeah, you were telling me about that before we started this. Yeah. You know all those memes that say, ow, the edge? Mmm. Yeah, this game is the reason those memes exist, and they did not exaggerate. It's so juvenilely <laughs> edgy. Like... You start up, and you get uh, the I Am All of Me theme, which is a good song. It's Crush 40, after all. But the video that it plays over is just so <laughs> tonally inept. I mean, it opens with Shadow loading an MP5, walking up to a hill framed by the moon, and then cocking it like a shotgun. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, but that's not how guns work. And I say this as someone who was, you know, raised around them. I have a bit of a gun nut family. So I kind of know a few things about guns, and I know that you don't cock a semi-automatic like a shotgun. Actually, no, I think that one's a full auto. But anyway, point stands, it doesn't work. And then the rest of the video is just not much better. It's Shadow making a bunch of constipated faces in a... <laughs> just in a vain attempt to seem cool and dark and edgy. And then you get through the opening sequence, and you start into the menus, and every single time you push a button, it's a gun <laughs> Every time. <laughs> and then you get into the levels, and it's all combat. Like, it's just a bunch of wide hallways connected by speed segments that aren't very fun Eat to play. Eat your heart out, Final Fantasy thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. It does actually have decent gunplay, but Shadow shouldn't be holding a gun. 
I'm sorry. I mean, if you were going to pick a Sonic character to have hold a gun, it probably would be Shadow, but even then, it just doesn't work. Bring back Gamma. <laughs> I mean, fun fact, they created Gamma because they thought having a Sonic character hold a gun would be stupid. <clears throat> I guess they changed their mind. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you go through and play it, and the stages are just boring, and even if you're just doing the neutral mission, which is get to the goal ring, it's not very fun. And so I did the neutral path, right? And the story just becomes utterly incomprehensible so fast. Like, you know that whole alien thing that the game is, like, throwing in your face from moment one? Yeah, the one? plot. Yeah, that gets forgotten halfway through. Oh, well, yeah. Because Shadow decides that he's an android and not the original, and he has to go face Dr. Eggman for some well, reason. Also, Gun and Sonic, they're all forgotten. Well, the android angle is an extension of the Sonic Heroes plot point with Shadow. Yeah, but it's still stupid. So yeah, and then I get into the final level, and then the game crashes on me. Now, for context, I was playing it on Dolphin, because I can't be bothered to hunt down an original GameCube copy. But, um, so it crashed on me, and I was streaming this for some people in Discord at the time. So I figured, oh, okay, I'll just come back to it tomorrow. I'm not enjoying this game, so I could use a break. I come back the next day, and it crashes three more times, and I just decide, you know what? This game isn't worth it. I'm done. <laughs> And I'm never going to play Shadow the Hedgehog again. I think there are some merits to the game. Not a lot, but there's there's some merits to it. Yeah, it's functional. <laughs> it's not full of glitches like its immediate uh, sequel, Sonic 06. I like the idea of the branching storyline where if you choose to ignore everyone, if you choose to help the Sonic characters, or if you choose to help the aliens, it's the determines which level you're going to go to next. Yeah, I guess that seems like it could be a good idea, but looking from the size of the uh, level chart, I think they might have overcooked it. And considering just the neutral path resulted in a broken storyline, I can't even imagine how bad the story would be if you decided to take some of the branches. I also appreciate that this game actually puts to bed a lot of the Shadow angst. Ever since this game, Shadow is pretty on top of things whenever he comes around. I will give it credit for that. And also a little bit of credit to 06 for its portrayal of Shadow and just showing him past his angst phase. Like, that's one of the few tiny little insignificant areas I will give it credit for. Yeah, Shadow is actually one of the best parts of 06. In terms of story, in terms of gameplay... Mm, yeah, yeah. I was really interested, because I didn't play Shadow either, I just looked it up online, but, like, Cream is in the game, the little rabbit girl. I was like, what are you doing in this game? This is this is the big kid's Sonic game. <laughs> didn't this game inspire the E10 rating to come into existence? It was rated E10. Yeah, they were gonna rate it T or something, but then they chickened out at the last second they still wanted kids to play it so the esrb came up with e10 uh maybe i don't i don't know the full story behind this game but honestly it sounds likely because the ways that this game tries to be adult are really really juvenile because it still wants that kid audience and it's just like make up your mind I missed Shadow the Hedgehog for the most part, so my first exposure to E10 was Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, where Donkey Kong is violently punching everything in sight. Oh, nice. 
I, I think I missed that era of Donkey Kong games. Well, that's really the only one I played to any capacity, other than Donkey Konga 2. <laughs> nice. But, I will say, I believe that the idea for Shadow the Hedgehog came from Sega getting a letter from a fan about wanting basically this kind of game, and... Well, credit where it's due, they tried to listen to their fans? Yeah, tried and failed miserably. A lot of their core fans felt that Shadow was really tone-deaf. Well, I say core fans, but I mean like their old-school fans who grew up with original Sonic and stuck with them through adventure, many of whom did like those games, I might add. But Shadow is definitely more for the fans that they got from Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, because it is worth noting that the Battle version on GameCube was one of the highest-selling games on that system. Yeah, it made a lot of new Sonic fans, including me. And I actually really did want to play Shadow when it came out as a kid. <laughs> but my mom sat down with me when I had a borrowed copy of it and watched the opening cutscene and immediately told me that, no, you're not allowed to play this. I mean, look at that gun! He doesn't even cock it right! <laughs> no, I think it was more the dark tone and the fact that the aliens looked like demons because my mom was very sensitive to that kind of thing. Yeah, I was joking. But yeah. <laughs> so... Needless to say, I didn't even get to load into a level, and honestly, that was probably a good thing. Yeah, sounds like you didn't miss that much. I really didn't. Like, picking up this game years later and seeing how awful it is, I'd rather play Sonic 06. At least that game is interesting in the ways that it's bad. That's the main thing people use to hold 06 over Sonic Boom, is like, well, Boom's just boring about it. Yeah, no, with Sonic 06, the ways in which it is bad, you can't forget. You can't forget clipping through the floor to your death. You can't forget fighting your way through the mock speed sections, dying over and over and over again. You cannot forget the bestiality. It is forever burned into my memory. You can't forget fighting Silver. Nope. It's no use! You can't forget how bad Silver controls in general. You can't forget Sonic Finally, dying. No, you can't forget that. But speaking of Silver, have you ever seen a Sonic 06 speedrun with him? No. It is beautiful. Sonic 06 is already an extremely broken game. So what the speedrunners do is they dive in and they break the game in their favor. And it it's magic. <laughs> it's hilarious, but it's magic. I like that they try to tempt you in all the different levels with these medals and then they literally serve no purpose there there is absolutely nothing that they do yep that's really dumb it's kind of meant to be a replacement for the old emblem system but it doesn't work it is kind of interesting seeing all the different projects that fans have made to try to fix this game yeah, that's the saddest thing, is that there was so much potential in what this game could have been. Like, it could have been what Adventure 1 was for the 90s, a massive revolutionary step forward for the series that knocked everyone's socks off. Instead, it released as a broken, unfinished pile of dog crap. Sonic tripped at the starting line. Pretty much. And you know, this all could have been avoided if Sega hadn't been so adamant about hitting the 15th anniversary. On top of all that other stuff I mentioned earlier. I mean, at that point, they really should have delayed the game. I think that if they had delayed it and worked on filling out their staff again, 
They could have fixed this, but nope, it had to come out for the 15th anniversary, and more importantly, for Christmas 2006. And most importantly, for the Xbox. Yep. The PS3 version did eventually come out, and that's actually the version I played. And it's even worse, if only because the load screens are even longer. Yeah, someone did the math, and I think that in an average playthrough, and I'm, it's probably all the storylines, in an average playthrough, all the loading screens add up to over two hours. You're not wrong. The loading screens are awful, especially when you have to do any one of those town missions, and there are several required by the story. You have to load in, let the person tell you what to do, and then load into the actual town mission. And then you have to load out of it when you're done. Three loading screens for every single town mission. And that's only if you get it on the first try. If you fail it, you have to wait through those first two load screens again. And I know why they have all those load screens. Please enlighten me. It's because they literally load the entire map, even if it's just for like five seconds of one NPC talking to you. They had to load the entire cityscape just for that. Why? That's so dumb! Because there are a bunch of novices left over and split in half. Who were not allowed to get the time they needed to fix this mess. All those loading screens, I think... I don't know if I came up with this on my own, or if it's just a point that someone made that I borrowed for the podcast, is that if you put all the loading screens together for that two hours, you could probably beat the original Sonic in that time. Yeah, if you have the skill, you could probably do that. Now, what's interesting about Sonic 06 is it's not the only bad Sonic game to be called Sonic the Hedgehog to release in 2006. Oh yeah, that's right, Sonic Genesis is a thing. Yeah, there's the port of the original Sonic that I think was for like the Game Boy or the something. The Game Boy Advance, quite... yes, I've heard of that. I've actually seen some pretty in-depth videos on that version, and oh my god. It's a mess. It slows down all the time. All the sprites are their original size, so the screen crunch is real, and the audio quality is awful because, you know, the Game Boy Advance didn't really have sound hardware. It ran all the sound through its CPU which meant that higher quality sound meant taking away from the visuals. A lot of Game Boy games could balance this problem and still work. Sonic Genesis could not. I think it's really interesting because it kind of harkens back to the original Sonic game. First of all, I don't know how common this opinion is, but I've heard it said that once you get past Green Hill Zone, the rest of the game is kind of unimpressive. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. I have played through a decent chunk of Sonic 1. I've never beaten it, but I've played enough of it to... Yeah, that opinion's pretty accurate. There aren't a whole lot of areas where you can really build and maintain speed. It's a lot of very standard platformer design. I mean, you can still use Sonic's physics to do neat things, but you have to know the game to an almost absurd degree, which is something, from what I hear, that they ironed out in the later classic games, but I never went past Sonic 1. And then there's the fact that most of the hard drive space was reserved for that audio clip of them saying, Sega! Yeah, that sounds accurate. It was really hard to store information on cartridges back then. I think between 
prioritizing that over better level design and the fact that they outright made up the term blast processing all of those are kind of early signs that sonic series was developed more with style over substance well a lot of people would argue that the style is the substance and that's a fair point but i don't know sonic always seemed to it it hit something it was very different it was a momentum physics-based platformer which you didn't really see a lot of at the time and for a while there it looked like sonic was going to topple mario and even into the 2000s sonic was still pretty well respected i mean sure uh shadow and was a bit of a misfire but then sonic 06 came along and it cast a shadow that the series still hasn't really escaped that's the saddest thing about 06 is that Anytime a conversation of Sonic comes up, 06 is not far behind. Even the Sonic Twitter will get in on it. Yep. Yeah, as, mu- as much fun as it is to rag on Sonic 06, and as bad as it is, and as much as it really deserves to be torn to shreds, it's just kind of sad when you look at the effects, because now there's a generation of gamers who think of Sonic as nothing more than a laughingstock, and they're not wrong! Well, it... Not to pick on anyone, but this is kind of the weird following Sonic has. Like, Sonic has attracted a lot of peculiar people as fans. Yeah, this is this is definitely true. And from everything I hear, the fan base is very, very fragmented in what they want. You've got people who admire the classic games, people who admire the adventure games, boost games... And they can't seem to agree with each other on what they want out of Sonic, which makes it very hard for Sega to listen to their fans, because the fans don't know what they want. Yeah, though you can find splinter cells in every fan base. With Sonic, though, I think it's... Because the series has tried so many different things, I think it's a bit more pronounced. True. But then you get into, like, really weird stuff, like... Let's just I don't know, like, let's like, acknowledge that the furries exist and then move on. <laughs> I'm not I'm not even talking about furries because like like I'm friends with furries. I don't care what they do. It's just there's just a lot of weird fan stuff. Like there's this guy who complained about Sonic's eyes being the wrong color in Sonic Four Episode One or whatever it was called, and it's like really is this really what the Sonic fans are? Is like they're gonna throw a hissy fit over Sonic's eyes now? Or Sonic's arms and Sonic Boom? Or or his arms in the movie. Oh yeah, the movie. I actually liked the movie, for the record. Yeah, I, I liked it too. I did an episode about it. Nice. That was, it was a fun time. It wasn't anything special, but Sonic really needed that win right now. <laughs> yeah, he like, did. That positive publicity was crucial. And the fact that it did well means that we'll probably get to see another far more interesting movie. If another studio picks it up. What, Paramount's not going to make another one? Oh, well, I was thinking of, like, the animators. Like, they had oh, to shut yeah, down. Oh, yeah, the animators, you're right. Yeah, that is unfortunate, but hopefully they'll be able to rehire a lot of the same key creative people. What I want to know is, they had that... Oh, okay, movie's over a month old by now. They had that Tails cameo at the end. I wonder if he was going to look really ugly, too, like Sonic did. You know, it's entirely possible that they added the Tails cameo after the redesign. 
Like, from what I hear, they reanimated a lot of stuff in the movie. It could be that they were trying to bring it more in line into something that the fans would actually enjoy, and it does show in the final product. Like, there's a lot of really subtle nods and references to things, and it it feels like there was a love for Sonic put into this project. Maybe it was at the 11th hour, but it was still there. Yeah, it's really interesting that Sonic tributes tend to be really good about making those deep cuts and stuff when Sonic games themselves sometimes kind of trip over it. Like, I've watched literally two episodes of OK KO Let's Be Heroes, and one of them was the Sonic and Tails episode, and it was really impressive, all the references they fit into that. I haven't seen that. Yeah, I don't I don't really know much about the show. I just know that they had Sonic and Tails in one episode, and then they had the Monster Girls from that one Scooby-Doo special where Shaggy and Scooby were gym teachers. So, for all I know, this is some kind of weird crossover show. I don't, I don't actually know, but... Uh, yeah, Sonic references. Good. Yes. And I hope that the uh, second movie goes into them more. I'm particularly hoping that they bring the Chaos Emeralds into it, because they're one of the more interesting lore points in the series, and... From what I understand, they're not really utilized as much in Sonic stories these days. Uh, no, not really. I think the last main game to make a lot of use from them was, if not Sonic Mania, then Sonic Generations. Yeah, and that's sad, because they're fun, and they give you a Dragon Ball ripoff. I guess there's only so many things you can do with the Chaos Emeralds. You gotta let them cool off for a couple games. Yeah, that's fair, but even so, I'm really hoping the movies can do something interesting with them. I actually think it's a real missed opportunity at the end there when they had uh, Eggman running around that mushroom planet. He really should have found a Chaos Emerald while he was wandering around. I think that would have been a great hook for a sequel, beyond just the Tails cameo. I wouldn't be surprised if they did that in the sequel as some kind of introduction scene. That would... Before cutting away to innocent Sonic shenanigans. Yeah, that would work as well. I just hope that the second Sonic movie is better than the first one. Like, I like the first one, but there's so much potential here. Like, they've set themselves up to have one of the great sequels of our generation. Whether or not they follow through with it is anyone's guess. See, another common talking point in Sonic declining is the Sonic storybook games, which we... Kind of brushed on with Sonic and the Secret Rings. I will let it be known that I have played both of those games all the way through. And what's the verdict? Secret Rings sucks, and I hate it. It controls, like, hot garbage, and its story isn't really anything to write home about. It looks pretty for a Wii game, but the level design is just atrocious. Black Knight is better in that it's playable, but it's just kind of bland and forgettable. It could have been a lot better than it was even with its weird concept. Sonic with a sword isn't the worst thing the series has ever done. It got a lot of flack, even from me, I admit. It's a lot better than Shadow with a gun. Yeah. Watch, you you turn on Sonic and the Black Knight and Sonic cocks his sword. (laughs) (laughs) There's an image. But I, I thought I thought Black Knight had an interesting storyline, at least. It did. I just felt like it was really underdeveloped. Like, there was something there, thematically. Because Sonic is all about being free-spirited and just kind of living in the moment. 
and then you have a villain who is all about preserving the present for eternity. Like, they are thematic opposites, and that's interesting, but they didn't do anything with it. It's worth noting that uh, 06 was when Jason Griffith was still relatively new to voicing Sonic. Yeah, he had basically just done the four kids show up to that point, and he wasn't great in 06, but he did get better with the role as he went forward. Like, I actually do like yeah. his performance in Black Knight a lot. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going with that, though. I think it's kind of funny that the four kids cast their first experience with Sonic was Shadow the Hedgehog. That is hilarious to consider in hindsight because of how much quote-unquote swearing that game has. Like, they deliver it with the elegance of a rhinoceros. I do think Jason Griffith was better as Shadow than Kirk Thornton, and I say that as a guy who admires a lot of Kirk Thornton's roles, but I, I think he's at least gotten better as Shadow since Sonic Colors. Well, I guess Sonic Free Riders would be the first time he voiced Shadow, but... I thought Jason Griffith jo uh, voiced Shadow from the moment Shadow was introduced in Sonic X. No, he voiced him as of the Shadow game, and then... Around the time of Sonic Colors, the four kids cast were phased out, except for Mike Pollock. Mike Pollock is brilliant as Eggman. It's really sad that Dean Bristow passed away, but, I mean, Mike Pollock is amazing. I, I think it's really good that Jim Carrey started kind of slipping into a Mike Pollock impression towards the end of the movie. Yeah, that is a good thing. Like, that's another thing I liked about the movie, is that Jim Carrey's Eggman kind of went, underwent an evolution, becoming more and more deranged and unhinged as the movie went on, and steadily morphing into the character that we recognize. It was as much an origin story for him as it was for Sonic. Yeah, he, he took the role seriously. Yeah, and he was fantastic, easily the highlight of the movie, and I'm so glad that he's willing to come back for more, because I think there's more potential with this character, especially now that they gave him that big, goofy mustache. Yeah, e Eggman is always been secretly the best character in Sonic. Without question. Getting to play as him was actually one of the highlights of Sonic Adventure 2. This isn't really related to the games, but have you ever seen that uh, fan dub of Sonic Adventure 2? Oh my god, yes. It's amazing. It's so <laughs> and Eggman funny. Is, they Eggman is the best part of there, too. <laughs> yep. They also did one for Sonic 06, and it's just as funny. Yeah, Yeah, I've seen that one, too. I actually recently did one for Sonic Riders that I haven't watched yet, but I should. Oh, I should watch it too. I've actually played Sonic Riders, and I still have my copy of it. That's the the snowboarding one with the birds? Yeah. It seems weird on the surface, but it's actually pretty good. It has a lot of surprisingly deep mechanics for a racing game. Of course, the problem is, once you actually do wrap your head around what all the mechanics do, you can steamroll everything the game has to offer. I thought it was kind of weird that they... Like, this was back in the era where I'm like, why do they keep introducing more characters? But they've been pretty good about keeping the birds confined to the Riders games. Yeah, and honestly, they're a pretty good fit for that series. I just kind of wish the series had moved forward with the mechanics of the first game instead of what they did with the second one. I only played the second one briefly and immediately thought, wow, this is not nearly as fun as the original. Like, the original had a lot of hidden mechanics... Well, they weren't so hidden if you happened to have an instruction manual and, you know, actually read it, but there was a lot of stuff in that game that you could use to gain speed, manage your speed, and do all that fun stuff, and really race. And once you click with it, 
it's like second nature. But then you run out of stuff to do because the game actually didn't have that much content outside of its story mode. Like, you had the Grand Prix races, which was just running through all the tracks on the hero side and then on the uh, Babylon Rogue side. And then you had a really boring mission mode. And there was multiplayer, but <laughs> I didn't really have very many people to play it with very often. And whenever I did play with somebody, I always won. Because I understood the mechanics and the people I was playing with didn't. So, the, did you play Sonic Unleashed? I did not. That was the point of the series where I finally stopped playing the games. Uh, so, Sonic 06 basically defeated you. Uh, it didn't really defeat me. I tried to convince myself I liked it as a kid. Tried, but mind you. You but... never played any of the ones that came after it. It was largely through circumstance. Again, I did play Secret Rings and Black Knight. But oh, yes. that was only because I had a Wii and my parents knew I liked Sonic games and they didn't realize how bad those games were. Well, Secret Rings anyway. Like I said, Black Knight is passable. That, that That's what I've heard, actually. Yeah. Uh, I played a little bit of Sonic Unleashed, not a whole lot of it, and I don't even have it anymore. I sold it. I, I got to the first night stage and I was like, eh... Yeah, you play this really fast, speed-focused gameplay, and then you get to a night stage, and you're like, why is this suddenly a beat-em-up? Well, I knew what I was going into. This was, like, only a couple years ago, so the game was pretty old by then. I knew all about the stigma, but I thought, eh, maybe there'll, there'll still be some things to enjoy. I don't want to see what the next step after 06 was, and then it was just, eh... That's what I've heard. Again, I haven't really played Unleashed. I've seen a lot of uh, like analysis and videos done on it and done some research myself, so I know a lot about what's in it, but I haven't actually experienced it, so I couldn't tell you what it's like. Mm. Uh, that's kind of my relationship with most of the Sonic series these days, is intellectual interest without actually playing the games. Uh, I kind of I picked up where you left off then, because from colors onward i've played all the main sonic games except for sonic mania which i i kind of consider that kind of a more of a throwback spin-off than anything but it, maybe it both it shouldn't is be and isn't because it did sell really well and sega took notice of that but also it did have a tie into forces so it kind of explains how classic sonic got into that game i, I will tell you he did not need to be in that game so i have heard well, I did an entire episode about this with another friend of mine, and Sonic Forces, I'd say it kind of matches the low points of the Dreamcast era, where it's really cheesy and does stupid things, but it's not another Boom or another 06. Like, yeah, no, they have I've... to really screw up <coughs> to do that. Excuse me. <coughs> wow, that came out of nowhere. But yeah, I get what you're saying. And that Forces is, it's passable, it's playable, it's just not anything awe-inspiring, and everything it did was done better by Generations, or so I've heard. More or less. Uh, the Avatar is kind of fun, but broken. Oh, joy. I liked playing as the Avatar, but I just, it was just too easy 
Sounds interesting. I still think it's hilarious that they didn't Avatar at all, because now people can create their own Cold Steel the Hedgehog original character, Do Not Steal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that was, like, one of the first things people tried for the memes. Yeah. Ah, that's, that's a funny meme. I think they originally wanted, in an early script, to have Methylese from 06 appear as one of the illusory villains in Sonic Forces, but then they swapped him out for Chaos or something. I mean, I can kind of see where they're coming from with the swap, because Chaos is a bit more well-regarded as a villain, but at the same time, Mephilus was one of the more interesting parts of Sonic 06. Oh, yes! Sorry, the credit due for killing Sonic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, well, he tried to kill Sonic anyway. Oh, he killed him, it just, he got better. <laughs> yeah, as it do in anime. I believe the princess was voiced by... Lacey Chabert, who is the voice of Eliza Thornberry, so this isn't her first rodeo talking to animals. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's really funny. Uh, she was al she was also one of the mean girls. I think she was the one who asks why Lindsay Lohan is white. Okay, I haven't seen that movie, full disclosure. Uh, I'm sorry. I've heard good things, though. Yeah, yeah. Good period piece. So speaking of other Sonic-related projects, I have also played the RPG on the DS. Oh, <laughs> I have also played that. It was all I had for a long road trip, so I played through it. It is a game that exists. It is a game that had no budget. Yeah, no, it looks terrible and sounds terrible. The writing was kind of fun in places yeah but they they really expected me to be interested in the emerald robot race yeah no it, it, overall its story was nothing to write home about like it said so much without saying anything at all that's the kind of story it was yeah it was it, it sound it, it was a fan fiction yeah, and its mechanics weren't, uh, great. Like, having to pick three actions for your characters for each turn? Man, that's definitely the kind of unpredictability I want in my RPG. There's the fact that they... I, I, I don't remember the full story about this, but the composer had no idea how to work with the DS's hardware, so he just... And no one was helping him... So he just had to resort to grabbing a few middies that Sega owned. Well, I mean, that would explain why the game sounds so bad. Yeah, I, I tried to... I tried to be lenient with the soundtrack. I'm like, oh, it's not that bad. And then as I got older, it was just like... It's that bad. Oh, it's it's that bad. Okay, there are, there are a couple songs that I think are at least okay, but... The opening's every not the other, thing. Yeah, it's kind of generic, though. Like, every other Sonic game still has better music than this one. 
Yeah, I, I don't know what they were thinking when they developed that game. And they left it open for a sequel that never happened. Yeah. It's like, the idea of a Sonic RPG seems interesting. I mean, Mario had been doing it for years at that point, but if they ever do try it again, they have to not do that. Leave it to Sonic to do what Mario did, but worse. <laughs> yeah. That is unfortunate. Of course, now the Mario RPGs are in kind of a purgatory of their own, but uh, that's yeah. a discussion for another day. Mario and Luigi is kind of getting repetitive, and didn't the studio that makes them close down? Well, they filed bankruptcy, but most people are expecting them to get shut down. Okay. And then Paper Mario. Oh, God, Paper Mario, what have they done to you? Now, I'll go on record and say that I was one of the people who liked uh, Super Paper Mario, but even I liked then, it, too. It was very uh, different. And then they came up with Sticker Star, and it's like, oh, the pre-release material, this is an RPG. Wow, this is what I wanted out of Paper Mario. And then you play it, and you realize it's god-awful. I, I, I've been meaning to replay Sticker Star so I can kind of, like, give myself closure. Like, I kind of liked it when I played it, but maybe I was just trying to convince myself so i, I want to play it again this time knowing everything i know make sure of where i stand on it but also i liked color splash so there's that i i ignored color splash i was so unimpressed with sticker star that i decided that uh, sticker star 2 wasn't really going to be my speed even if they did make it better it, it is definitely better but for some people the damage is done it's kind of like a Phantom Hourglass Spirit Trek situation where they alleviated some of the main problems, but a lot of the core is still kind of the same. Never played the uh, DS Zelda games. I don't think I really got into handheld Zelda until uh, Link Between Worlds, actually. Funny how this conversation about Sonic went over to Zelda. Let's see, are there any other big targets in the Sonic library? that we've missed mm, not that i can think of i was just kind of going through all the games that i've played and then all the ones that i know about and kind of talking about my experiences and listening to your experiences with them have you ever actually played sonic 06 for yourself uh no i've seen it at the GameStop for like maybe 10 to 12 dollars and i thought oh, it's a little expensive yeah for that game it's a little expensive if you ever get it for like five bucks though I mean, it's nice to see what the fuss is all about, but don't feel compelled because it really is that bad. I got Mad World for like $2 once, and that, that was great. And I like Mad World. Nice. All right, well, I think I'm just about out of stuff to say for Sonic. Yeah, we're, we're talking about other games. That's usually a sign that we're out of steam. Yeah. So, yeah, if people tune in to listen to me talk about Sonic, they get Mad World instead. Sounds about right. I've been meaning to do a Mad World episode. It's been in my pocket for a while if I run out of ideas. But now if I ever do it, people will know I'm out of ideas. <laughs> well, you could always edit this out later. They'll never know. No one will ever know! I'll cut it! And no one will ever know! The, that's basically the plot line of Sonic's campaign in uh, Sonic 06. He's basically the Dover Boys over and over. 
Yeah, Sonic's plotline in 06. It, it's funny. He is the headline character, and his story has the least to do with the actual plot of the game. I always found that hilarious. Oh, see, we brought it back to Sonic 06. <laughs> As we should, because that game is a black hole that causes all attention to be sucked towards it. Anyway, I really am out of stuff to say this time, though, so yeah. I think we should call all it right. here. Yeah, uh, thank you for appearing on the show. You're welcome. I have fun doing these. Is there any plug or anything you'd like to make? Um, I'm not really. I mean, I guess you could check out Metal Ever Ben's fanfiction stuff, which I edit for quite extensively. Oh, yeah, we still need to... I need to get Ben back in here. I had a couple ideas for him. Well, I mean, reach out to him. I'm sure he'd be happy to. Especially right now with all this quarantine stuff going around. He's got plenty of time on his hands. Yeah, I'm just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Alright. Well, if you like the BitCast, uh, follow it on Twitter. And follow the show on Podcast One's website and app. Uh, thank you for listening. And I'll see you on the next one. Bye. Goodbye. Listen to BitCast anytime on podcastone.com and on the Podcast One app.